then we just kind of dither around a bit. I loosen up my shoulders and then I start with a, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? So everybody, welcome to a special Monday night broadcast. So Eddie and I were kind of busy over the weekend, so we didn't get this done. But Monday night broadcast of what are you guys talking about? We are doing one final kind of swan song episode for the show, the series, the awesomeness that was The Mandalorian. So I've prepared seven questions. Ed has prepared seven questions. We do not think we're going to get through all those questions, but we figured that we would just start asking and answering questions and getting through as much as we can. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is like stuff that we kind of wanted to talk about, but just didn't get time because we had to get through the synopses of, of, of the episodes and stuff. So it'll be good to, um, you know, like uh, 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 cover all the bases. That's right. So this is kind of like a bonus episode. We are very much behind the scenes kind of people. You know, we love the special features and that's what this is. So if you like our podcast and you kind of like the discussion, this is just going to further on a bunch of those points that we had from the eight episodes that we watched. But before we get started, let me just make sure I point out that we are on SoundCloud where you can subscribe, like, comment, do just whatever you want to listen to our podcast. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. And there is another that Ed always remembers and I always forget. Um, well, uh, I saw us on uh, Spotify. Spotify. Uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We're moving on up the in the world. The big time. The big time. That's right. <laughs> We've moved up, guys. The major leagues. So, basically, you can get us in podcast format wherever you want. And I hope you do, because as I said, it, it is a podcast. We try to keep it to an hour. Last one was an hour and a half because we were really excited. But we try to keep it to an hour just so you can have it on in the background. Listen to us talk about something that you like as well. And maybe hear some insights as to how filmmakers kind of go about looking at these things, talking about these things, and what really geeks us out. So, if you also want to see the rest of what Love Victoria Productions does, you can always check us out on our website, which is www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. In there, you can see our Dirty 20 videos, which are our Dungeons and Dragons kind of specialty. You can see our short films, which are uh, being put up. Some of them are up, some are not at the moment, because we're going through a bit of a revamp on the website. We have all the What Are You Guys Talking About episodes. There are going to be, I think this is going to be number 30, actually. So, there are 30 episodes for your pleasure there. Um, Lots of good stuff, lots of crazy rants as well and some of them are quite a bit longer so hope you enjoy that and there's also a blog which i will be resurrecting at some point soon i kind of got off the habit of writing them and so did ed but we do have blog posts that kind of talk about our views on that so again it's just our way of kind of opening the doors to our production company so you can see just what it's like working with us for us or whatever else you'd like to do if you'd like to contact us via social media we have facebook with jason Chiro or edward burgos or you can check out love victoria productions page there we also have instagram with a nano LVP or Jazzy J. Shiro. We are on Twitter at at a nano, uh, sorry, at Ananoski Prod or at Mouth Love Victoria. Twitter's getting noisy these days, so please uh, join us in the discussion. And then finally on LinkedIn, we have my profile page, which will tell you a little bit about my day job as well, if that interests you. And I also have a professional page for the company, so you can check out both there. But without further ado, we will launch into talking our, sadly, our final conversation, at least for this year. About yeah. the Mandalorian. That's right. For season one, hopefully. I mean, I think uh, I've enjoyed this so much that I think we should do season two when it when it comes out. I, I think we will. So it might not be the only time this year because it's coming out in. When is it coming out, Ed? Uh, pretty soon, I think. I, I think I saw something like October, maybe, or something like that. Maybe even sooner, to be quite honest, because a lot of, uh, you know, production has kind of been halted because of... Uh, you know, the whole COVID-19 pandemic and um, there's going to be a lack of, uh, of, of stuff, of content. And they've had this in the can for a while. So 
I mean, we could be talking like a month's time or something. Yeah, I mean, for the production companies that I talk to, and we won't get into how I talk to them, I know that most have footage or material, all the big production companies that I at least have discussions with, have material to September. You get past September and they are dry because they were able to film or edit. Um, one particular company was very clever and taught all of its mini production companies how to edit, which I just thought was genius. But yes, if we get to September and these things are still in like in full lockdown or not making anything, then yeah, we're going to have some issues and there's going to be quite a bit of lag. So let's have our fingers crossed that everybody gets out there and starts filming again. Hell yeah. I just read that um, The Witcher uh, season two has been scheduled to uh, film in August. Oh, good. Um, so, you know, it looks like things are starting to uh, come back around, which is I, nice. I think so. I think, you know, just speaking briefly, if, you know, for posterity, if nothing else, because we are still really in the throes of COVID-19 and which is kind of playing out a lot like the Spanish flu did. And if it does play out like the Spanish flu, then there will be a second wave. But that Oops. should hopefully be the end of it. And, um, you know, it just depends. But as far as working on this stuff, from what I can see, as long as you have clear guidelines in, in the U.S., at least Hollywood's been pretty good about the guidelines set out. But how you're going to deal with this and how you're going to manage having people in close quarters with one another, then I think you'll be all right. I would expect the next year or two would be kind of like when the writer's strike hit and that we're going to see a little bit of a dip in, in the amount of content out there. But who knows? I said lots of people have been filming from their homes. Lots of people have been doing that. So we'll just have to see where that goes. Cool. All right. So let's start out with one of your question. Um, okay. And I like this one because it, it'll match up with another one of mine in a minute here. Do you think that hiring directors from different mediums is the way to go about a prestige TV series? Mm. Good question, even though I say so myself. Yes, you do. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on that? So so I guess the point Ed's getting at on this is that, you know, if you watch Gallery, which is the behind the scenes for The Mandalorian, which we would encourage you to watch. It's very good. Um, the first one talks all about the directors. And this is an, a, an interesting pick here because you have, is it six or seven very different directors that have been chosen for this? Um, uh, I think I think it's five. Five. You've sorry. Baloney. Uh, you've got Rick Famuyiwa. You've got Deborah Chow. You got Bryce Dallas Howard, and you got Taika Waititi, and John Favreau is another one I consider. So that's why I guess I said six. So yeah, yeah, yeah. but the five chosen are are the ones that John picked, are the five that that Eddie just listed. So you know, and they do come from different backgrounds. Do you think? How do you think that affected the Mandalorian, Ed? Uh, massively. Um, I, I, once again, I, I was very lucky today. I, I found the time to just plow through all of the Disney galleries and. Um, I think it's massive because, you know, the, the, the variety that you have here, you have Dave Filoni, who comes from animation, and um, all the stuff that they did with technology and pre-visualization and all of that kind of stuff is, is very, very kind of bog standard in animation. Mm. And so I think that that, that perspective is, is, is wonderful and, and, and has been very helpful for this show. I think um, uh, Rick Famuyiwa is a indie filmmaker. I think he brings a certain kind of um, soul to 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 what could potentially be a quite dry, you know, n you know, typical sci-fi thing that just you know is about special effects and this and that. Mm. But he, you know, we talked about it uh, when we discussed the second episode. Uh, how how we really liked the fact that 
uh, he was developing this these this relationship and and all of that stuff. I hear what you're um, saying though. He he definitely had an indie vibe, and that's 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 unique because, like you said, I wouldn't expect to see that in a sci-fi show. Sci-fi shows are many things, but usually, in my view at least, are not indie. They don't have that vibe. Indie films, indie everything tends to thrive on it. And this is a very broad statement, so correct me here when you think I'm wrong, but on relationships and a lot Mm. on kind of character development between those relationships. Whereas bigger films, action films, sci-fi films are, are visual films. And so you don't need necessarily to hamper so much on relationships. Sometimes you just want to show something, you know, sci-fi sometimes is all about just showing something that looks really cool. Yeah, Um, totally. You know, Blade Runner 2049, don't get me wrong. Amazing film. And, and mm. well worth, you know, the, the, the long time you have to sit through it. But that film mm. shines, you know, again, I believe that's a Roger Deakins and yeah. it, the cinematography in it is what will get you. Everything yeah. else is cool and everything mm. else is, you know, something that you would read in a book and think it was cool, but it doesn't yeah. blow you away. What blows you mm. away are the way the things look. And here you kind of get the best of everything because you yeah. get, um, you know, with his episodes at least there's this coolness to them you know i just liked his it was edgy it was different it wasn't like you said sanitized yeah yeah for sure uh and you know if you look at uh kind of recent uh, success stories in the sci-fi tv genre world uh you know you look at altered carbon you look at uh, the expanse and again like you say beautiful to look at a little bit holy and in character development or or the, the the relationships between some of the characters so i think he was a great addition then you've got um bryce dallas howard who is a you know she's a newcomer in terms of directing uh but she's steeped in kind of the years of uh you know lucas and star wars her connection with her father and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm becoming more and more interested in this woman, and not not I don't mean like physically, Bryce. I'm really sorry. You know, that's not not that you aren't a beautiful woman, but she's gorgeous and she's super. She, sweet she is, as well. but but what I'm really interested, in, like she, man, I you know, as I said, I told you, I used to hang out with some old Hollywood celebs, not not her, but definitely know the cats that have been around there for twenty years because their mommies and daddies have you know done that. And man, she would have every reason to be that kid, to be yeah. that spoiled little brat. But every time I hear her speak, I'm like, actually, that's quite poignant. So she was talking mm. about recently about The Help, and she's like, I'm not sure I'd make that film now. And they were like, well, or star in it. They were like, why? Mm. It was a great film. She's like, it's a white person trying to talk about the black people's struggles. And I'm like, right. takes a lot of guts to get up to a film that people liked you in and that you were, I think she was mm. nominated for an Oscar on, and say, mm. wouldn't have done this this way. But she has mm. a lot of comments like that. You know, she's also mm. working on the next Jurassic World, which is going to be mm. her, her next big thing. And that's the thing. Like, I'm not I wouldn't say and I said this before. I don't think everything she works on is great. Um, mm. I've said that because I, I do think, you know, she falls into that pattern of the of the 1980s film nostalgia that we all love. Mm. But if anyone is going to bring you that element of Star Wars into into something, you know, I wouldn't pick Kathleen Kennedy. I wouldn't even pick George Lucas. I'd pick her because she seems to understand how to look at that with an eye in the present. Mm, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. No, That's no, just totally. my view. Yeah. You know, when she did her episode, it was a very benign episode. It was really, mm. that was the one that didn't have you jumping all over the place. But again, mm. it was the episode as well that if my daughter wanted to watch the show, I yes. would have said, hey, let's watch this episode. This is really cool. You're going to you know, yes. see all about this small town. Totally, totally. Couldn't agree with you more. 
Um, I also think that, um, you know, uh, we should talk a little bit about diversity and, 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 you know, the actors, uh, sorry, the, the, the directors here are, it's a pretty diverse yeah, bunch, it's, you know? it's why, you know, I get, I tend to get mad at, uh, these days because people want to point at Disney. They first they'll point to their, their kind of Nazi roots and say like, well, Walt Disney believed in fascism. That's true guys. Yeah. Like they're not, mm. I'm not getting around that. So did, so did Henry Ford. So if you drive, right, if you right, drive right. a Ford car, that guy was a huge, huge fascist as well. Yeah. However, you look at how Disney is acting today, which would have been largely the, the, the work of Bob Eager and the messages he's sending down through that. And yes, they are kind of going overboard to show you how diverse they are, but good on you, Disney. Like, yeah, yeah, wish, yeah, wish everybody was having so much thought about, you know, who they put in. So yeah. I just, you know, a lot of times we talk about Disneyfication. I'm like, sometimes I think we have to start Disneyficating things because, mm. you know, what they've done here by an assembling a diverse cast has ultimately improved everything because they have so many different people so it's just my little thing there because you know i just get you know and 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 i know i've said it before and you've said it before so it's not like i've never said it either but it's just the thing it's like don't knock them for doing something that's right you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. we should be getting people in from all corners of the earth on these shows they make them more interesting yeah yeah props for you know giving it a go and stuff like that um but then you've also got uh, Taika Waititi, who, uh, I mean, to me, he's like one of the great film direct, one of the great young film directors out there, you know. And and to have got him on this, I think, was massive coup. He's got to be so busy, right? Yeah, I Taika is such an interesting, interesting character. He's probably I had a bunch. You know, he's my favorite, and it's because I can't tell if he's recreating like good directors from the past. I honestly think it's the opposite. I think he just has this unique vision of things mm, that when I yeah. see it through his eyes, I like it. I'm like, yeah. like Jojo rabbit hunt to the wilder mm. people. Like when I see his take on those things, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can get behind <laughs> that. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can see yeah. what you're saying. And I, and it's, it's something like, it feels new to me. It feels like, mm. no, I don't think anyone's ever tried to explain it to me this way. Right. Like you know, fresh, jo- right? Jo- Jojo Rabbit, especially, it was like, because God knows we all make fun of Hitler Youth, but he was like, but it wasn't funny, guys. Like, this is what mm. they had to do if you lived mm. there and yeah. see how ridiculous it really is. And it was like, yeah. and he made it funny. And you were like, oh, my God, like, this is. I've, I've still got to watch it. I'm oh, my God. It was just, you know, the first time he pops out is Hitler. Another brilliant decision, because who are you going to cast to play <laughs> Hitler? And he was like, I'll just do it. You know, why not? <laughs> Um, but I, I, I enjoyed the comedy in his episode and like, I, it felt like a Taika Waititi film. It does. He has this way and, and I, I, it would probably come up in personal conversations that you and I have had, but like he has a way in my view of showing real life. Okay. So real life is not to me, the breaking bads, the everything, because you don't, when you're living a moment, you don't have this like visceral, at least I hope most of you don't, but there's not going to be this like edgy on your back. Oh my God, the timer is down. Like life is so much Mm. slower than that. Like it just Mm. is. And, and things don't resolve themselves the way they do in movies. And I think Mm. Taika is just one of those people that's not afraid to do that. He's, he's not afraid to say, actually it's the big meh, you know, it was, it was the big meh. We, you know, when, when the robot dies, you know, his robot dies, that's a big scene. And I, like I said, you could have Michael Bay the shit out of that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And instead he just kind of made it somber and he was like, it's sad, but it is what it is. And it was like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how life is, isn't it? You know, like, I don't know. I just, I I really dig the guy. Yeah. I I love his, uh, kind of 
embracing of the absurd as well, like uh, you know the the ridiculous comedy elements that, uh, <laughs> that he's he's just got a great eye for. And to be quite honest, uh, I mean, I've said it on many of our episodes uh, on what are you guys talking about, but Deborah Chow has been a massive revelation for me. Like, I couldn't have named anything that she'd done, even though she's worked on some of the TV shows that I really, really enjoyed. Um, But, uh, like, she was a revelation. Both of her episodes are... For me, my favorite one. No, she she's she's like Harvey from Suits, man. She's the closer. Like she <laughs> she clearly was brought in because I mean, look at her CV. Like she just and she doesn't do normally more than like one episode per season per series. Mm. But she's always got like look at the episodes she does. They're always good. They're always yeah. like powerful episodes, closer episodes, kind of bringing you into mm. whatever the next big point is in their story arc. So, right. yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. Because I'd never, no offense to you whatsoever, Deborah, because that's our bad, not yours, that we hadn't heard of you before. But we will be watching out for what other TV stuff you get involved in. For sure. And, uh, I mean, to answer your question, I think that... Uh, um Probably the, the the single greatest thing from from my perspective, maybe from our perspective as as filmmakers, is the assembling of the team of directors, like and John Favreau overseeing it all. Um, just it worked so well, and I think it's what has made this TV show as special as it has been for me. So, following from that question, because I don't know the answer, and maybe you do. What about next season? Are they bringing, do you know if they're bringing back the same five directors or is it like new people or what's going on? Like, I, I haven't heard anything about production. I've heard about this character is going to come and this character is going to come and this is a storyline. But I'm like, well, are you bringing back Taika Waititi? Because I really like him. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know, right? That is a really good question, and I don't know. I haven't heard anything either about the lineup of directors. I mean, I, I can't feel, I can't think of how I feel about it. Like, it almost would be cool to just bring in five new ones. And they used to do that, like, mm. good shows like CSI. Those mm. were the ones that used to have really good guest directors. So, like, Eli yeah. Roth did an episode, and then Quentin Tarantino did an episode. And, like, That's right, you, know, yeah, you bring yeah. in the big guns to do it. So, like, I could totally see that happening for Star Wars. It's just... You have the, the, the trick is kind of what Ed's just been talking about. This particular group has really good symmetry with one another. Like they, oh. you know, we we talked extensively throughout this podcast, and unfortunately, but you know, throughout this podcast, not just this series, The Mandalorian, about the problems with the the other Star Wars franchise, The Rise of Skywalker, and kind of how that came about. And that had the complete opposite, you know, the complete same setup and the opposite problem. They brought three kind of, you know, they they brought the corners together, and then. People just couldn't agree kind of how the story was supposed to go. And um, if there's anything you get out of our talking, you know, on this bonus episode, take that. Like, make sure when you've got a crew that they're as streamlined as possible, because this is what happens if you've got people. And we have experience with this, not, you know, God knows not Star Wars experience, but we've had issues on set where, oh, my God, like, no, we're not going to do it this way. We need to do it this way. And everybody argues. And ultimately, the final product is not what anyone really likes it's like well mm. it's it's better than it was but right. we we've had that on a couple of our our things and i think it's not an uncommon problem in the industry but look how good it works when you have seemingly because i don't you know i don't i wasn't the fly on the wall but seemingly six people together that really gel and say like okay let's do this and let's do that yeah. working together as a team like that's that's what it feels like i mean obviously you know again 
that Disney Gallery is going to, you know, present things in a very favorable light. So if there were like massive, massive bust ups between, you know, the directors and writers or whatever, then they're not going to tell you about it. But uh, the vibe you get is one of like excitement and like, you know, feeling almost like a sense of, 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 of privilege to to be working on a Star Wars project, you know? And a, and a lot of that comes down to, again, trying to give some tips here. And, and again, not something I have an abundance of experience with, but I have had an abundance of talks with other producers. And this is something that's been passed on to me from mentors like, producers, this is your job. So your job is to get on that set and try your damnedest to try to get all of those people to get along with one another. And it's, it's right. just something that I don't think every producer appreciates because some of them come on there, you know, come on to set just kind of ordering people around. That is not your job, man, to order people around. Like, they have plenty of departments and people that do that already. Your job is to try to get it to work together. So, and that's a trick. It's it's not easy, and God knows egos are everywhere in the film and TV industry. But John Favreau, this is why we love you, man, because... Mm. You know, it was clear, even if that was the most Disney behind the scenes we'd ever seen, man, he plays that well. And it looks yeah. like he knows each of those people so intrinsically and was yeah, able to yeah, talk yeah. with them about things. Mm. And that's and that's where you do have questions about other franchises and other things and saying, well, maybe if producers aren't as cool on those things, maybe that's where things get a bit dicey. For sure. OK. OK, so I think that answers that question and then kind of filtered into mine, which is. I already asked, Ed, what are your views on the choice of directors and what do you think they add to the show? So we, we covered both of those. Mm. Um, interesting question now. Now I'm going to throw in something more fun. Um, oh. Not that that question wasn't fun, by the way, but because <laughs> I, sometimes I just like the silly stuff. If you only had budget to run this series for six seasons or oh, create... this is my favorite question. I knew it would be. Run. This is why I'm asking before we run out of time because we're at yeah, 20 yeah. minutes now, so I'm like, okay, if we spend the rest of the time talking about this. But then that's fine, yeah. I asked Ed the question, if you had budget, because this is what happens. These are decisions that have to be made. If you had budget to run the series for six seasons or create two other Star Wars shows like this and run them all, so all three of those shows, for two seasons, which would you choose? Now, Eddie, you have to go first. Oh, that's such a tough question. I think, um, so I, I think, uh, TV shows and, and maybe it's, it's because TV has changed a lot. I mean, you, you know, you, we've been talking a lot about community cause you've mm. been kind of plowing through it and stuff. Loved and it. you, you look at some of those seasons and there's like 22 episodes or 24 episodes and stuff like that. Correct. So for the first three seasons, there are these, the standard American comedy lineup is 22, I believe 22 to 24. Right. And like, I don't know if because of that, there is almost like a, a, a shelf life for a TV show that I would usually um, put in the five season kind of category, most TV shows, when they hit five seasons, there's a little bit of a decline, right? Mm. So having said that, like, would I, would I want the Mandalorian to give me five amazing seasons and then maybe one not so great that like was, you know, run by someone else. Cause John Favreau has gone off and decided that he wants to do other stuff. And, 
I'm going to go, and this might be controversial, but I'm going to go with the three different shows with two seasons each. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Hmm. What would you say? Um, hmm, I don't know whether it's just because you just said it, but I, hmm, I don't know. I could take either if I'm honest, but if I had to pick one, then I would likely take the, the three shows as well, only because I believe there's more to be done in the Star Wars universe and that if yeah. they keep following on this trajectory. Right. So the things that I didn't put in that question that are really important to the answer are what the other two shows would be. Right, like, right. Like you and I both talked, neither one of us were particularly excited about Kenobi, which I think has been cancelled anyway. But I think so. It's 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 very kind of amorphous at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, and that's not because I don't think you and McGregor would be an amazing Ben Kenobi. But as you've heard me say multiple times on the show, I am sick of the old Star Wars. I have all the films. I can watch them whenever I want. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Okay, it's a, yeah. it's a, a brilliant universe, galaxy at least that needs to be expanded upon because everything yes. else everything else has grown in my view. You know, since then all franchises, even Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, has grown, which we're going to talk about that one if it gets another one of my questions, but, you know, has grown as a franchise, but this one sticks to this, like, Luke Skywalker has to be blah, blah, blah. And I just, I'm like, dude, like, that's the story from the 70s. Let's, let's, let's move forward. Like, right. I mean, they've they've done such a great job. To be honest, I think probably my favorite film, Star Wars film of, of like the newer ones is probably Rogue One. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, doing stories which are adjacent, you know, they're, they're not about the, the, this like epic, you know, saga that they've been, that they've been telling since the seventies. It's more about, you know, like you say, expanding the universe. And that was such a great film. And I think this has done such a great job of expanding the universe while still referencing the crap out of, uh, you know, out of the, the, the Star Wars legacy. Yeah, I, I think it's because of how Star Wars has changed anyway. Like, Star Wars originated as an Indiana Jones or a Back to the Future story. You know what I mean? That had three parts, like everything did in the 80s, the trilogies, blah, 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 blah. You know, fine, but since then, and it is quite amazing to me, you know, as I said, being more kind of a Star Trek fan where it's obvious where that's kind of expanded out into this huge universe. Like, Star Wars did the same thing on so much less and so I think they just need to come to terms with that and understand that, like, well, you've got a lot here. You don't have to have just a story anymore. You've got multiple stories to tell, you know, yeah. and, and, and you can take a book from things like the MCU to see how it should be done. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm still interested to see. I, I don't think they've released any of the MCU TV shows yet on, on um, Disney Plus, have they yet? There's no WandaVision's not out yet, is it? No, no, I think that's scheduled for later in the year yeah everything everything got pushed back but i'm interested to see what they do with that because i'm not particularly interested in wandavision like most people the 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 scarlet witch she's cool don't get me wrong in the comic book she's Mm. cool but she was never a major character and then vision you're like okay like i don't really remember him that well either and in the movies they play their respective parts and i think they're kind of cool but definitely not the coolest characters but given a show about themselves, like it may end up being really interesting. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it may, it may not be, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it may yeah be. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, you know what? Like if I were to put a, uh, something on a t-shirt, I might put like in Faggy we trust because uh, like, you know, I, I believe that he's, he's going to 
make something great. Yeah, um, I mean, so and, and hopefully th- th- those are, these guys obviously represent our idols. I mean, for me, this is a guy that commands, you know, multiple movies, franchise, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, man, that's the dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you're man. looking after all that and, and it's not just a dream to have it. So this is the problem I think people get when when producers start talking. I could give a shit about the money and everything behind it, if I'm really honest, like perfectly happy with the money and the lifestyle I live now. So that's not what I'm talking about. But to be able to be successfully making decisions on mm. something that big and getting it right, like that is a really good feeling. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a taste of that. So when we had Dandelion come out, you know, we had, you know, <laughs> didn't win any awards, but I had like 10 people come up to me and say, man, I really love that film. Let me tell you guys like that. That's your moment right there. You're like, oh, my God, <laughs> you liked my film. They're like, yeah, it was really good. You're like. Oh my god, Kevin Feige does that for like 30 films and four TV shows. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that is so good to know how well you can make something. Because, I mean, that's that's just the type of person I think he is. I think he's committed to bringing Marvel to the world. And um, good on you, man. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, so do you think that this fixed the problems that the sequel cr- trilogy created for some fans. Do you think this is going to kind of patch up that whole, that, that, I mean, Rise of Skywalker to this day, even though you can watch on Disney Plus for free now, still one of the least watched <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'll be honest with you. I think that, um, you know, we, we, I don't think we ever did uh, get to talk about fandom much uh, whilst, whilst we talked about no, Mandalorian. No, no, or, or, or previously. We talked about it a bit when we did Rise of Skywalker and our kind of extended episodes on that, but we moved right. away from it in The Mandalorian because we were so impressed at how, how little they were relying on, on the right. fandom. But yeah, yeah. But by all means, what, what are your views on that? Well, I'll be honest. I think that uh, Star Wars suffers from a uh a fandom which is very reactionary and unfortunately um not uh not the most chill mm. um uh and and you know i i'm 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 a star wars fan you're a star wars fan like half of the world is a star wars fan right yeah and and most of the people who complained about you know, uh, a lot of the, the, the sequels and, and a lot of the problems with those. Um, I think that that is not most fans of Star Wars, but um, it was interesting that there seemed to be not a peep out of the people who were saying that Disney had destroyed their childhoods and had done all these terrible things to them, uh, you know, with regards to the Mandalorian. It seemed like they were appeased enough to just sit back and and be glad that there is new Star Wars stuff coming out. You yeah, know? it's it's what well, and that's where I think fandom gets interesting because with the rise of social media, um, and mm. I imagine this happened before. It just I don't know how it happened because I wasn't around during you know oldie oldie times, right? But mm. you know, I think of the Star Wars franchise. There's been a lot of activity right now in the Harry Potter franchise recently because of some controversy with you know J.K. Rowling making some comments right. that other people didn't like, and so they're all kind of yeah. turning each other. And and fans get really embedded in this as if they know these yeah. people. And it's like yeah, yeah. when you read the comments, you're like, do you really know J.K. Rowling? I mean, I yeah. don't. She's she's rich and Scottish and lives a million miles away from here. So like, don't get me wrong. I think she's got to be hell of intelligent to have written those books, but. Um, like people talk about her as if she's just someone that's their mate, and it's like, ah, uh, okay, yeah, 
it's I feel like it's 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 almost like a sense of ownership, like like because they're a fan of this thing, it belongs to them. And if if someone doesn't do it the way they want it done. That's right. So because you, you had know. this you had this gender political argument that was going on this weekend and, and last week. And then you also had on the other side, people that were rallying behind Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and Rupert. Uh, is it Grinwood? Grinwood? Grint. Grint. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. And it's not that I'd run. We is like one of my favorites, dude. Um, <laughs> seriously. But, you know, they had come out because they're younger, you know, and said, yeah. mm, I don't think you really understand the, the issue, JK, and, and kind of fought back against her. And yeah. then fans just went everywhere. And it was like, guys, like, you don't need to pick a side on this. Like, right. they made great movies. That's great. Like the movies. Don't don't yeah. take it any further than that. You know what I mean? Like, political opinions are political opinions. But Jesus, if I didn't watch films because of people's political opinions, I'd have to throw out, like, three quarters of my collection. You know what I mean? Like, right. come on, guys. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's That's the whole point. So, yeah, fandom <laughs> in Star Wars is uh, potentially, I think, a it's huge tricky, problem. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Um, same thing you see in, I mean, I have been to Star Trek conventions. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, you know nice. I mean? Yeah, man. Why? You gotta, gotta I've go. Never, I've, I've never been to one, but I would love to go. Just one, just because I wanted to Did see you what dress up? Like. No. God, no. No. Oh, I don't babe. even dress up for Comic-Con half the time, man. You babe. know that. You know, I'm just kind of me. I do the Jason thing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's interesting because that's when, you know, we had a couple episodes where we were talking about fan fiction, and that's where you have people that literally, like, immerse themselves into a fantasy world. And don't get me wrong, like, if you want to do that, that's cool. It's just, for me, I'm like, why not take that somewhere else? Like, if you're that good at making or creating yourself in a world, then make your own world and make some money off of it. But right. that's, that's producer Jason talking, so. No, no, and totally. I mean, to me, that's the argument. Like, if you think you can do it better, go and write something. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I guess the short version is, I think, unfortunately, toxic fandom today is born out of people refusing to use their creativity in a positive way like there are so many people out there that probably could write a good book or write a good film and god knows in quarantine we're seeing a lot of it like the amount of things that i see on a daily feed of just people creating stuff because they're bored it's like man you should move with that but i i think the same holds true with like star wars and and your fandom if if you think you've got a better idea for it then why not write it you know what i mean and don't put it in Star Wars. Make your own world. Like, it, it doesn't have... These aren't real, I guess is my point. And that's where mm. I get really confused. Because people will treat these issues as if, you know, well, Star Wars is, you know, the biggest thing. Right. And it's, it's my childhood. Like, no, your childhood... Life or death. Exactly. Your childhood was your childhood. It was you being a child. And maybe you watched a lot of TV. I did. You know, God knows mm. most people are now figuring out that all I did was sit in front of a TV. That's why I like Abed from Community. Um, you know, because <laughs> I just... I feel some kinship there. Um... But that's what I mean. It's not real. You know what I mean? You, you're never, you're right. not part of the Rebel Alliance, mate. You're not, you know, <laughs> you're, you're not a Klingon. I mean, okay, so you, you say that, but uh, there was a, a very cool moment in, in Disney Gallery. So uh, do, you remember, do you remember the scene in the last episode where all the stormtroopers are piling into the, into the square? Yeah, sure. You know, you're, you're poking, the po- poking the pool moment. That's right, because right? there's this like, exposition moment, and they're, like, the whole time you're like, holy shit a whole lot of people getting out here now yeah <laughs> so um like that uh john favreau and dave filoni they realized that um they hadn't really budgeted enough costumes to have more than like 20 stormtroopers in that final scene and they're like <laughs> oh damn like we, we we really want more so they contacted a, a an organization that are called the 501st legion and uh, it's a bunch of like Star Wars fans who have made their own stormtrooper outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go and they do like charity jobs and 
they'll do like premieres and stuff like that. And uh, dude, like seeing their faces when they realized that they were going to be in the Mandalorian, because they didn't know until they arrived on the set that that's what was happening. Like it was, it was quite touching. I was like, oh, no, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it's up there and, and this is no slight on any of these people, by the way, but I think the topic was kind of handled actually really well in American Gods, um, both the TV show and the book. Um, okay. You know, these are the things that we have supplemented for religion. Um, uh, and, yes. You know, and I am one of those people, guys, so I'm sorry if you're a diehard Christian or something like that. Listen, I was raised and born and raised Catholic. I just, you know, I have my own belief system and whatever. But I, when it comes to some of these franchises, I really do believe that people latch onto them to kind of give them the good in life. And it's like there's nothing wrong with that in my view. It's just you have to remember, again, it's just a franchise. So, you know, you're right. still ultimately in control of you. So when I hear about people making costumes and going out and doing charity work, then I'm like, that's awesome. That's people yeah. taking something that means a whole, whole lot to them, assigning it more meaning and then doing something cool with it. Where I get upset is the Twitter trolls, the toxic discussions at Comic Cons, like these kind of guys. And don't get me wrong. There's a place for them in this world, too. It's just I'm not so sure it's in the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, I know what you mean. So interesting. Okay. Well, how do we think that's going to play out with this? Do you think they'll be able to maintain that in season two? Oh, that's uh, that's an interesting. Uh, like, I think that they've laid down a really rock solid foundation. Okay. And I think that moving forward, if they're able to maintain it, and you know, may- maybe it is a question of keeping the team together, man. I don't know. That's that's that's. I, a really I don't know. I just thing. it was it was amazing to me that instead of and I haven't really searched for crit- critiques of the Mandalorian, so I'm sure if I went looking, I could find some. But oh, I, for sure, they didn't come over the top of the news like they did for you know the last one we were talking about. And also, mm. there was enough nostalgia in there. Like I don't pick up on it at all, guys. You you obviously picked that up from eight episodes that I just don't know my Star Wars like Ed does. But you did Ed, and you would catch all these little bits that they'd thrown in for you. And I think, like, that's another thing for fandom. If you know you've got, you know, and I, I'm going to call it toxic fandom, but if you know mm. you've got toxic fandom, I think they handled that the right way by saying, you know, we're yeah. going to throw something in there so there'll be Easter eggs aplenty for people yeah. who are going to be constantly looking for them. I think mm. some of the problem with the new Harry Potter, so the Fantastic Beasts series, yeah. um, has been that there's not enough Easter eggs. Like they right, right. they have wanted to recreate the Harry Potter experience without really recreating Harry Potter, and it's like right. man, people loved the characters in Harry Potter. Like I and I'm only talking about it this weekend because this is what I got for Father's Day. My my daughter yeah. picked uh, Harry Potter Lego, and um, one of the things that's going on. My daughter's six now, so one of the things that's going on is I'm trying to teach her video games because Daddy plays tons of video games, so she wants to kind of be around and play too. But it's hard because when you're six, your hand eye coordination is not. You know, I'd like to say not like the master, as I like to say, you know, <laughs> so and and we need something. A lot of games we play. She can do Mario, but a lot of the other stuff I play, she's just not interested in for any mm. length of time. And she bought this and we both love Harry Potter. And so mm. she bought this and we are just going through all the stages now, kind of talking about the characters. And, you know, she has that kind of fandom I do for it. Mm. So that's why that franchise is kind of coming to the front for me now as another one as a really big fan base but that you have to kind of appease. And so this right. game that I was playing, it's Lego Harry Potter, but it has mm. a billion and a half Easter eggs. You know what I mean? It's, right. of course, based on the story, but then there's all these other bits. You're like, oh my God, that's that guy. Oh my God, we got yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. And blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. you know, that's why I was wondering with season two, I think if they can keep that momentum up, then, then yeah, maybe. 
I mean, totally. Uh, it, 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 it's funny. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep referencing the Disney Gallery because it's what I watched today. Yeah, yeah, but, sure. Uh, the very last episode of the Disney Gallery is all about the Easter eggs, like every single one. And I missed a lot, man. <laughs> like they, they, they didn't, they did not skimp on like giving fans of the computer games of like the Christmas special, which we did talk about a little bit, mm. uh, like all this stuff, which is um, just amazing. Do, do you remember we talked about the ice cream maker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, they, they, they talked about something which I'd never heard about, but at, um, at D23, which is like the Star Wars celebration that, that, uh, that they have every year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of people come in cosplay, but um, there's this like little uh, uh, kind of cult group of people who dress up like this background extra who was the one carrying the ice cream maker in, uh, in Empire Strikes Back, and they do this, like, round of running around, like, the whole hall. All these guys dressed in just a jumpsuit and carrying an ice cream maker, <laughs> which I, I, I just, I loved a bit. These are all the, those are the kinds of elements that I love about fandom. It's just a shame that you can't seem to get that without, the other stuff. Well, and I, and I think it's just how you address those things within your franchise. So it seems for the Mando, what they've done properly is you have to say thank you to people that put that much time into your story. Like, mm. you know, I don't think it's fair to do otherwise, because if someone really does live and die, it's the same as if you're a pop idol or something like that. If someone lives and dies by your words, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm definitely not one of those people. I don't really even understand it. But if someone is like mm. that, I, I do. I am one of those people that says, yeah, you do owe a bit to those people mm. because. Right. Those are the ones that, whether you put out something good or something shit, they're always going to be the first person to buy it, you know? Absolutely. So they're going to keep you floating when your creativity's gone. So, exactly. you know, it's like you have to do what you can to say thanks. So for guys like that, like the Easter eggs, it's like, yeah, I, I'm amazed at the knowledge people have about these things. But if you've taken the time to learn it, then by all means, you know, like give them something. I don't think, I think the problem I had with the movies was that it seemed to overtake on the movies. It was, it was one of those things where my opinion didn't matter when I wasn't one of those people that didn't know everything about star Wars. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to follow a logical plot line. And then all of a sudden it was like thrown out the window multiple mm -hmm. times. And that's not mm -hmm. just to return the Jedi or not return the Jedi or rise of Skywalker. It was done a bunch of times and it was done to appease fans. And I'm like, well, no, I'd rather you had a good story than you had a story yeah. that the fans think are like, it pays homage to this. So, but right. you know, I mean, that's the age old debate, I guess. Yeah. I thought it was very, very interesting um, that, uh, you know, one of the things that came up uh, in, in the documentary series was um, that they, they, they worked really hard to, instead of referencing Star Wars, which, which they did do, you know, we're talking about all these little Easter eggs and stuff like that. Mm. But they looked at the stuff that influenced George Lucas when he first wrote Star Wars. Yes, which I think so, is critical. Critical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so your, your Westerns, your samurai movies, you know, Kurosawa, all that kind of stuff. And I think that perhaps where the films, you know, have, have failed is that they're, they're, they're trying to reference Star Wars rather than looking at what inspired Star right, Wars. Right, rather you know than I mean? Magnificent Seven or Seven Samurai, like... And this right. is the thing, like, anyone who's talked about these films for any years, like, and, and, and no disrespect whatsoever, Juice Lucas, because the whole point is that when you become a filmmaker, you realize that this is how it's done. But, I mean, he, he stole so much yeah. from <laughs> Kurosawa. Like, it yeah, just yeah, yeah. was... So
so similar at times. And it's yeah. like, you know, you, you not, I'm not knocking him for that because, no, like no, I said, no, no. I, I, I've been watching more of the story of film. And that, that, that nice. particular documentary series points out over and over and over that we're just borrowing eternally from each other to make the next kind film. Kind of. Yeah, um, because totally. that's the only way you can make a film that people can reference in their brain, you know, that they understand and that they like. So, right. you know, like, so that's what I mean. Like, yeah, the reason people like Star Wars is the samurai stuff, is the mm. Kurosawa, is the, the same reason the Japanese liked it. So go mm. on that. You know, it, it's just it's not brain surgery to me to say, yeah, go to the source material and see what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of what you have to do when watching Kubrick films, because you have to know like, kind of where he was coming from when he made mm. the film, because it, it just gives it a whole new lens. No pun mm. intended. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you know what? Like they showed that scene in the Disney Gallery. Oh my god! Did I you, could did, not did stop you just laughing. Lose your shit? I could not stop laughing. Oh, if, you, if you can talk back in it, I'll be an Ewok for you for for Halloween, and then we can <laughs> then I can just do that all night. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! So good. Anyway, I know. What's next? It's sad being a dying little teddy bear. <laughs> um well we've got we're at the 45 minute mark so i'm i'm thinking we've got time for one more question and really okay. we, we talked about it a little bit before but i'd like to kind of hammer back into this discussion about again everything we've been talking about with mandalorian is balance and so takeaways ultimate takeaways from the mandalorian are you want to know how something is perfectly balanced in tv this is about as close as it gets like i mm. haven't seen anything else do this well between fan base and whatnot but the other thing mm. they did well with balance that we're going to talk about now is the violence aspects because Ed, uh, and, and I wasn't as taken back by it, but Ed was really taken aback by how violent uh, Star Wars was, at least this time around with The Mandalorian. When he, after he said that, then I started noticing that, like, yeah, this was quite a bit darker and quite a bit grittier at times, but not all the time. See, that's the thing. Mm. Like, that's why I say balance. But what do you think, Ed? Do you think, and, and your, this is your question, but mm. how hard do you think Favreau and Filoni, who, who were, let's just say they were the two ringleaders for all of this, you know, yeah. how, how hard do you think they had to fight to keep those violent scenes in? And, and maybe be specific about that. So if you can think of a violent scene, like think of the yeah. discussion that maybe happened around it. Yeah. Um, I imagine that, it, that, that they had to fight their corner. Um, I'm thinking particularly, I think it's uh, episode three, where um, the Mandalorian goes to recover the child. Yes, from uh, Werner Herzog and uh, and the Imperials, and uh, like he uses flamethrower again, his like favorite go-to move in every fight is to use a flamethrower. But he like literally like cooks a stormtrooper in his armor. Yeah, you know, and you see the stormtrooper fall and is all charred and like smokes coming off him. And obviously, that's not necessarily gory, right? But it's still quite violent. Now, I would imagine that, and, and maybe, maybe they, they had the freedom to, to be like, no one's going to tell us that we have to do something or not do something. Hmm. But I, I, I doubt it. It's Disney, so yeah, I exactly. really, really doubt it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, like, I imagine that somebody might have said to them, look, is that necessary? Do, do, do we need that? Isn't there another way that he can dispatch stormtroopers without like cooking one in his armor and i think i think potentially and again i wasn't there at, at this conversation so i i'm guessing here but i think that they would have said that by having these pointed moments of violence 
um, you're really setting the stage and raising stakes. Like, you know, you, you, first of all, you have a, a baby essentially in, in this, in this TV show. Mm. And, and if, if everything is kind of sanitized, you know, a team violence where the, car gets flipped over yeah, but if, everyone if, gets if out of the car if there's never one thought that that baby's ever actually going to get injured right right exactly then you can't commit like, to how, the show yeah how how do you how, you know because every time later on in the episode when the baby is like being threatened in some way like my heart was in my throat you know and I think that a, a large part of it not exclusively but a large part of it is that they set the bar the stakes where people get killed people die here and they die sometimes quite horrifically and they did it kind of in the very first cold open right where he goes to get uh, one of his bounties and he he lassos a guy pulls him and then chops him in half mm. um by closing the door on on him mm. you know uh that is a that is a kind of declaration of intentions, you know. That's right, and I think you'll have to see how far they push that. I mean, if it were me, Ed, and this is not because I'm a sick fuck, but just because mm. I think it would have ultimate impact. You hurt that baby in any sort of way. So if you scarred mm. it or cut something mm. off from it, mm. people would be livid. Like people yeah. would just hate whoever did that. Mm. So if yeah. you wanted to make a bad guy bad guy, like someone like mm. Hitler bad guy, which is what they did with the guys like Darth Vader. You'd have mm. to hurt that baby. And if you right. did that, then that person would just be the evilest person in the galaxy. Right. I mean, I, I think like... A, but they've set it up for that, you know? They've, yeah. they've, 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 they've ramped it for that, you know? Absolutely. I, I mean, a, a perfect example in this season even is episode eight, where the scout troopers have, have actually got the baby. And one of them like punches the baby, right? Mm. Now, of course, that's not like... It, it was played a little bit in a kind of funny way, I think. But later, um, IG-11, like, comes around, and he, like, he smashes those scout troopers. And, again, my reaction at the time was like, yeah! You know, like, don't, don't punch the bait. So, I think that, yeah, like you say, later down the line, season two, you want to really raise the stakes? Like, have someone, have, like, Giancarlo Esposito, who plays uh, Moff Gideon, you know, get a hold of the baby and, and do something, like, bad to, you know? Instantly, you're going to hate him that much more. Yeah, yeah. I just think, so, I mean, I think a lot of this is, it's been an interesting progression to me. And I, I remember violence more in, in TV and film from the 80s and the 90s. I think it got kind of bland um, as we hit the new millennium. But, you know, in the 80s, one of the funniest things you have, the joke about us old millennials, is that some of the stuff that was on TV, mate, was violent. Like, yeah, was the way, cartoons and stuff. Yeah. Not just the cartoons, just about anything. And, and it was because it was uncontrolled. So people were creating things, you know, in, 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 we're talking Reagan era films. So there's lots of money in film all of a sudden and TV and people are making things. So like one of the, you know, the, the famous one that I watched was The War of the Worlds, where like you would literally see faces melting off of people. Um, or, or Friday the 13th, the series. You know, I watched that with my mother, of all people. But those had yeah. moments where it went, like, absolutely really violent and would scare the shit out of you. And I can remember kids' stories that were the same. So, like, you know, I, easiest example is The Dark Crystal. Whoever wrote that and thought it was for children mm. was, like, 
on crack because like <laughs> i'm not sure i've ever sat my daughter down to watch it but i'm like it scares the living shit out of me you know when i watch it so but you think of things like labyrinth and some of the the, the more you know obscure death scenes in children's movies and you can be really kind of disturbed by all that mm. and then in the 90s you had that movement at the end of the 80s and the 90s and i remember this because i'm a video gamer so video games were blamed the reason that everybody was committing violence and so you no. had this huge huge sanitation of the violence so like all of a sudden, mm. we got the Michael Bays of the world and the Jerry Bruckheimers. Right. And, you know, I'm not really a big... F- I shouldn't say that. I absolutely love their films. But I'm not a big fan of the way they portray violence. You right. know, violence in those films is like gun blast. There's no squibs. So no one ever bleeds. Mm. You know, right. and it's like gunshots and people go down. A lot like how they did mm. it in the Avengers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. MCU yeah. is full of that. Of, like, people just getting horribly injured, but nobody, nobody actually getting hurt. Right. And I just, yeah. like, listen, like, that is okay. Like, it's sure, so you can get the rating that you need. And, you right. know, this is the discussions that would have happened on The Mandalorian. It would have been like, well, when you char the guy, don't show the face for more than two seconds or something right. like that, you know? And right, I get right. that. It's just when it's so sanitized, it belittles the point of even having violence in the film. You know what I mean? Like, right. if you're going to yeah. sanitize it and just make everybody used to it, then then you're really not portraying it. I don't know. I, I don't think you're portraying it in an accurate light. It was like the, it was like Saving Private Ryan, right? Like, I love that movie because it was the first time people figured out that, wow, fuckload of people died in World War Two. You're like, yeah, it was a war. It was a war. People got shot at and died, you know, like because and, and I'm not kidding, like in America for like 20 years, you know, like I, I guess I was a 17 when that came out. So, you know, 17 years, it was like, oh, yeah. I guess a lot of people did get shot at and a lot of people didn't come back. <laughs> Hell, because, you know, baby boomers, those were all the parents, uh, the, the, the children of people who survived. So it was like, right, we'd never right, been told right, the right. stories about, oh, by the way, that guy never made it back or, right. you know, all those people died when they came out. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's just it. So, mm-hmm. no, so it's interesting. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, they definitely are hitting the balance nigh on perfectly this time around. I'm interested to see if they go darker in season two or, or, you know, less dark and, and go mm. more sanitized. That's, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. What, what, what are your expectations for season two? Um, I would assume it's going to be more episodic towards the beginning, okay. at least. So you're going to go from planet to planet to planet to planet to planet to planet, which is how it should be, because good sci-fi, that's what you do. You, you get in your mm. ship and you go places, because that's, right. that's, that's what's different from a sci-fi show from something else. So... I, yeah, I want to meet new characters, and then I want to see them tied into the original storyline, and I want to find out more, of course, about the child and how this is all going to play out. And if I'm honest, I'd like to see it try to connect to maybe some bigger things. Okay, you know what I mean? We're, we're getting all these people into the mix, and it's like, well, I, I don't. you don't have to go to a Skywalker, please, because I've already right. said my views on that <laughs> right, right, many right. a time. But maybe maybe give us a bigger world to be part of it. Maybe they do that with um, uh, Ahsoka. You know, once, mm. once she's in there, maybe they tie that in. Because as I said, I've never watched The Clone Wars, but man, the way that people talk about her is that she is like the, one of the greatest Jedis that ever lived, so... It's, it's interesting. I think, I think she's, she's a fantastic character, and I I think that like early on in the Clone Wars, if you've, I don't know if you've watched some of the early stuff, but it feels very much for children, you know, like in, in, in the not greatest way. Well, yeah, no, it was on um, Cartoon Network. It was meant for children. Like it was right, made, it was right. made for kids to watch after school, you know? But like I say, over time, man, if, if you watch nothing else, Watch the last four episodes of the last season of Clone Wars. No, no, it's, I mean, that's, that's a whole different day of discussion, but that's the incredibly interesting thing is they're taking kids that grew up on Saturday morning cartoons because we were really the first generation that had that, 
you know, and then it was taken away from us in the 90s. But, you know, we grew up on Saturday morning cartoons. And so we, we like that as a as a medium. Um, mm. But, you know, no one has really capitalized on that. Sorry, I've got a massive mosquito in my room here. So I'm just yeah, dodging it before it kills me. Um, <laughs> that's, that's why I turned my lights off. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so scary. I'm going to close that window now. Um, little little bit for you there. But yeah, I mean, they figured out that, God, people want to watch cartoons, not just The Simpsons. And it's like, yeah, you have a dedicated fan base of 30 year old and 20 year old men that are more than mm. happy to sit through cartoons and watch them again. I, I, I definitely try to do that with my daughter and then pay it off on her. Like, oh, yeah, we're watching Scooby-Doo because of her, you know? Right. <laughs> you, you remember that. You were over yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah. Ed came over yeah. with my daughter. I can't remember which Scooby-Doo it was. I think it was Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. It was the... Uh, which the the movie or the cartoon that we no watching? when you came over and you're like wow man these stories are all connected I'm like yeah they've changed it now so the Scooby Doo Ed came over and watched with my daughter and then kind of watched it on his own um, <laughs> <laughs> oh dude throw me under the bus I will it's I will because okay. I do it all the time it's okay. myself it's like who's it's watching okay. who's watching twenty episodes of Scooby Doo I was like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this, they basically Mystery Incorporated is the the newest version of Scooby Doo connects all the stories. So they arc, they arc from oh, the first episode yeah, of the thirteenth yeah, yeah. one, and they have two seasons of it. Um, yeah. And there's multiple iterations of Mystery Incorporated. So like, there's this big yeah. backstory now. They basically brought it into the Avengers world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the modern yeah, yeah, world yeah, yeah. of what we do with franchises. Um, right. And I remember Catherine was watching it, and then I was watching it, and then we brought you over, and then you were watching it. So you know. Because it got interesting, I'm not going to lie. No, it, wa- it was, man. It was. And that's what I'm saying. We are a generation that's not afraid to say we like video games. We're not afraid mm. to say we like cartoons. I still hear right. my dad laugh every time I say that. Um, I know. It's so weird. Like, at the theater, um, you know, when, when Onward was showing, I was, I was recommending it to people. And I'd say, oh, yeah, it's an animation. And then immediately they'd be like, oh, I'm not a child. And I just... I. You know, I couldn't wrap my head around that. No, there's just this clear division for some people. And, and we are going to be known as that generation, the ones that never really grew up. But, you know, so sue us. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if, if that's if that's the greatest thing of my generation, then fine. Then we stayed children our whole lives. That's that could probably be that probably not be so bad. So. So, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, like for me, I think the thing that I. Most hope for, and I, I guess this is the pessimist in me a little bit is that they don't screw it up. Like, that, that I would be happy with the same again. Mm. Like, a well-balanced season of, you know, arc mixed with episodic stuff, like character development. Okay, throw a little bit of Jedi in there because, you know, that's, it's, it's Star Wars, right? Like, it wouldn't be Star Wars without it. But mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want too much. I like keeping them as that kind of mysterious thing now obviously if ahsoka is gonna play any kind of part other than maybe appearing in the last episode or something like that uh we're gonna get more jedi right yeah and i think but i think you're addressing a real problem that star wars is trying to fix like the problem became and and i you know again i'm going back to my same arguments 50 billion times here but (laughs) You know, Last Jedi, the whole thing was about it not being about a single person anymore and not being about one thing. It was the point that anybody can be good in the galaxy and anybody yes. can do good things. Oh. And I think, to be fair, that was the message that the Star Wars universe needed. I Because yeah. the, the problem was, what you had is the next episode, which, again, I've already talked extensively about how much I hate it. But Psych! 
But yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like, no, no, yeah. no, no. Actually, you have to be born into this and you have to be this Jedi yeah. with all these midichlorians. And you, you have, have to do to, blah, blah, blah. You have to be someone's grandchild. And yeah. it's like, what are you trying to say here? Like, we live oh. in a world where one of the biggest issues is access, is, is, is access to social mobility and things like that. That mm. is huge because more and more groups that were, you know, impoverished or, or, or oppressed in the past are now having access and able to kind of rise up and, and do something. It's a great world because of that. So, mm. yeah, your message has to include that. And if you keep going yes. back to the Jedi as being the only thing that makes the galaxy worthwhile, I just think you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're going against kind of the, the zetgeist of the, of the moment where people believe, no, no, yeah. no, it's not about one person having the one thing that makes everything great. It's about everybody being able and to contribute. Yeah, and anyone can be a hero and anyone can change the universe. That's and right. Galaxy, that's right. You know? So th- that, that, that's a great message. And I feel like they missed uh, an opportunity to point Star Wars in that direction. They, they were you know? just, you know, if I'm honest, and, and this is me speaking as a producer, because these are the things I'm supposed to have an idea about. So when I say this is a good film and this is a bad film, I can say it properly. But they missed that I, just in the, in, this, in the movie series. They went back, you know, to appease, and I wouldn't even say baby boomers, because we're not talking about baby boomers that love, but they went back to appease that segment of the world that grew up in the 80s and the 90s before diversity really hit the, hit the ramp up button. And when we, you know, as I said, I grew up in the Lily White suburbs down there, and it was great. It was absolutely awesome. Is it reflective of the world today? Absolutely not. And no, that's, yeah, exactly. and I guess that's the problem. Like, it was a great place to grow up, and it's just like the '60s for my parents. But you can't go back. Like, you, right. unfortunately, the lives we lived during that time, you know, were on the backs of other people, and I don't want those people to have to suffer. I'm really happy that. Lots of people now can do better in this world and have access to things in this world. So let's make a Star Wars for them. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's really interesting that you say that, actually, because uh, one of the things that um, came up uh, today was that George Lucas was uh, inspired by kind of old movies, you know, your your kind of Buck Rogers, your serialized stuff, you Mm. know? And and a lot of that was kind of like, oh, it's your destiny to be like the hero, you know. Uh, but like you say, that's not the world that we live in today. And I and I and I think that perhaps holding on to that element, you know, we talked about, oh, they should look at the the source of what George was was looking at. But holding on to that element of it, which is predestined, you know, predestiny and 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 stuff like that. I think that's a mistake. Well, that's but, that's the know. thing. I mean, I mean, Star Wars is pop culture, pop art, and and art and culture. I mean, art is always a derivative of culture. So you have to right. understand where things are at. And I think they just fundamentally missed it there. That we don't live in a world anymore. As I said, I just feel like I understand it because yeah, I remember these things. You know, I was the the the, the kid that lived in Lily White suburbs and went to a prep school. Like, trust mm-hmm. me, like I know the American dream. It was drilled down my throat most of my life and then expounded to everywhere else in the world you know watch the last dance how michael jack might not michael jackson michael jordan took that all around the world and told people mm. that if you work hard and you do what you do you know blah blah mm. blah well what has happened well we're in a postmodern world so we, we're now mm. living in a world where lots of other people have stood, stood up now and said actually 
just to be fair, you know, it doesn't really work that way. And right. that, that was something you were told to keep you working harder. But the truth is that some people win, some people lose, but all of us kind of kind of move on. And it's mm. just I think that's the message you have to get. I, I believe the Mandalorian did that. I think the Mandalorian mm. did that better by saying, well, these people aren't all necessary good and all necessary bad. Mm. There's there's some good guys, there's some bad guys. We have to do what we have to do to get to the end of the story. But you're going to meet a whole different group, whole different types of people here. And I think mm. that's you know, the zeitgeist of what we're in, that celebration, you know, certainly during the Obama era. And now, you know, hopefully we're coming back to that. But the celebration of diversity and saying, yeah. what a big and wonderful world we live in. And if you're going to put that in a Star Wars and make it something people want to watch, then you need to show Star Wars as that universe and say yeah. it's a universe where everybody can live in and have a good time. Everybody can live in and have an adventure. So. Amen. Amen. Preach. Can right? I get an amen? Preach. That's all I do these days, guys, is preach, preach, preach. So at any rate, we are just past an hour now, so I think we'll wrap it up from there. But I hope you've enjoyed the discussion. As I said, we just wanted to continue on with The Mandalorian. I still have no idea what we're going to tackle next. I think it's possible we could do a few episodes of Community because I just got done watching the entire thing. So... I would, I'm, I'm very up for that. I would like to take maybe, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, so it might be three episodes from Ed and three episodes for me, and then it would give you an excuse to go back and watch this show, because the amount of people who haven't seen this, and don't get me wrong, I was one of them, like, mm. please, you are missing. If you like Rick and Morty, this is yeah. actually even a more accessible version yes. of that like yes. because you're going to deal with more normal concepts not sci-fi concepts and it does the same thing with playing with your head every episode that's what oh, i love about so it good. so maybe we'll do that i'll talk to ed about it and we'll see what we're going to put up next in the program but until then thank you all so much for listening to our little rants here on the mandalorian we will be back for season two to talk all about that as soon as it's released but until then please keep checking us out on soundcloud on apple podcast on podbeam or any of the other great places we are check us out on facebook instagram twitter or lovevictoriaproductions.com or sorry also fair out linkedin but any of those places if you want to catch up Leave comments. If you like something about this particular episode and you wanted to you know, hear from us on it, listen, we just had, and I, I'm just going to bring it up at the end here, but we had a Dirty 20 video came out. So one of our D&D videos come out and someone actually left, like, I think it was a criticism. I'm pretty sure it was a criticism. And I picked up the phone to Ed that day and said, hey, man, this person has said this. Do you want to put out a video just so we can address that? And we, we totally answered the person's question in the next video. That's how much time we've got on our hands, guys. So... <laughs> So what I'm saying is if there's something about the Mandalorian or anything else we've been talking about that you're like, man, I want to hear more about that. Just let mm. us know. I'm more than happy mm. to run another episode on the Mandalorian if we have something to talk about or if you oh, want to get yeah. involved in discussion. The other thing that's going to be coming is on the website. There's going to be forum boards everybody's creating now. But I do think they're a good idea to keep discussion going and let people you know, kind of feel these topics out a little bit further. But until then and until next time, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And yeah. Thank peace you, out. thank you. Could uh, could I just get a sad Ewok piece? The the CSL. Uh... Add cut. <laughs> <laughs>